0: Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together.
1: Good morning, church. Well, a few things that I I feel that need some addressing this morning. First of all, um, Jaina mentioned that whoever discovered coffee, well, let me tell you that we know. Okay? We know. And I got to have this conversation with a man because I found out he was from Ethiopia yesterday. And I said, did you know that this is where the first coffee bean was discovered? And I think he already knew. But I wanted to tell him like I was telling him for the first time. And so there was a shepherd that saw that every time their sheep were eating from this plant that they would like start jumping all over the place. And the shepherd realized there is something in those berries. And we had coffee. Now you know. (laughs) Sorry, that's it. That's it. I'm sorry. That's all I got. That's all. (laughs) But I, I have a social media moment. A social media moment. I just thought of it because I just want to take a moment. So yesterday at the Fancy Women's Coffee, I was looking at some of the pictures, and how many of you saw some of those pictures on Facebook, on the Life Assembly? Okay, so there's like six of you. Okay, you need to go on there, and there is this picture of Mary Blood on there. It is the most delightful picture. It is so good. It needs to go on our website. I'm serious. It is so precious. You saw it, right? Oh, my goodness. That is so good. You should put that, like, on your, I don't know. It's good. It's good. And, Robert, you should go like that picture because your wife looks fabulous. <laughs> and secondly, I saw one of the funniest things I've seen for a, or read for a long time. Sorry to call you out, Heidi. But she posted yesterday, I think, that her son, was it Daniel, that said, uh, <laughs> is he nine? Nine to the to his little brother, the 7-year-old, because the wisdom of a 9-year-old is much, much higher than the 7-year-old said, you always eat your dessert first because you never know when the world's going to (laughs) end. That is wisdom. You guys are doing something right. You You are parenting. You are parenting well. Okay, okay, that's, that's, sorry, that really had nothing to do with where we're going this morning, but here we are, right? Uh, my name is Dale. If you're new here, I'm the senior pastor. Uh, we are so excited to be here. We love our church. We love what the Lord is doing in this place. We love seeing people having children. I, I was looking at 2018. And I was looking at areas of just what's been happening in our church. And in some cases, some of our rooms have doubled in size. There are children running around. Our youth, I mean, I came in into the youth room and there were almost 20 people, 20 in here on a Wednesday night. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because that's not what was happening. And, and it's just fun to see what the Lord is doing in this place. You know, our mission here is to make and multiply disciples in a diverse, multi-generational church because we believe that the church is most healthy when we've got the young through the old. Because then the Lord is able to bring wisdom. They've People who've been there, who've done that and said, let me, let me give you warning or let me give you instruction or let me mentor you. Because we've been there. We've, we've done that. We, we've been in there. And, and then when our kids, we know that when, and I've said this many times that when he, a parent is bringing out their crying kid, I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. We always need to remember that the kids in this next generation are so important for our church. So important to be a multi-generational church and we need to celebrate and rejoice in diversity. In the diversity not only of Maple Grove but our region and the people that are, are here. And you know, right now we're, this is the time, this is the day, this is the week that we celebrate what Martin Luther King Jr. did and what he stood for and, you know, and I, I was thinking this week, and I was, I was thinking about, you know, as we celebrate uh, his life and his legacy, I was thinking, you know, we saw a lot of suffering and things that he went through, but you know why people uh, really rallied behind him was because he was representing a whole lot of voices that were never represented before. And he was standing up for them. And you know what it did in a, in a Judeo-Christian society? it showed us that we had made some mistakes. It showed that we had used Scripture in a way to be able to fulfill our own needs. And it was very difficult for us to face that mirror and to look and to see some of our shortcomings and what we had become. And when we as a church celebrate diversity, when we celebrate people, when we celebrate what God is doing in our midst, it is worship unto the Lord. It is, it is worship unto the Lord. A couple weeks ago, I had uh, prepared for a series. Actually, I started well over a month ago. And uh, I, I was all prepared. But then the week before um, Pastor Ivan came to speak on, on last Sunday, every time I, I sat and I started writing and I started praying, something else totally veered from Um, what I was intending and the purpose for this Sunday. And, um, you know, I can just kind of attribute that to ADD and kind of going all over. So I thought, okay, Lord, I'll just kind of put this for a future sermon. But as Pastor Ivan spoke last week, I realized that the Lord was already doing something in my heart for us for the next two Sundays. Um, Could you put the first slide up, um, Sheila? Isaiah 54, 2 through um, 3. This is a scripture that... um, Pastor Ivan said last week that he felt the Lord really had, had put in his heart for us and our church, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. And he believed that the Lord put on his heart, expand expand that, that that our church in this next year is going to expand, that the Lord, that we're going to go through a process of expansion, whether it's in our hearts, whether it's numerically in this place, and, but something is happening, that God is is doing something here, and if you missed last Sunday, I want to encourage you, you can go online, you can just go to lifemn.org, and you can uh, play it, it's already on there for us. And so today, um, I've titled this, A Dream for Us. A Dream for Us. I feel as though uh, this is a little less like a a normal sermon and uh, just a little bit more of a pastor sharing his heart to the congregation, if that's okay uh, with you this morning. So God gave the church a mission, and uh, we're going to look at at some of these scriptures um, that are provided by God. If you could put that um, next slide up for me. So, God's mission for us, um, part of this, you're going to see what uh, we, for years, have called the Great Commission um, given from God. So, John, so we can see all Gospels are represented here. John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Okay? This is not just one person that Jesus is referring to. He's, I'm sending you. Now, I I don't have time to go into this, but... um, for those of you that know Isaiah chapter 6 well, there's this really dramatic and dynamic moment where, where Isaiah is in the presence of God and, and there's all this just spiritual things happening and, and it, it is though Isaiah is in, he's in the throne room of God and the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are having a conversation and, and he says, who Will go for us. And Oswald Chamber points out, he said, God wasn't even talking to Isaiah. He was having a conversation and Isaiah overheard it and said, send me. Send me. I I will go. And what Oswald Chambers is is pointing out is he is saying, we are all called to something. And, And here we see it, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He is sending us. This is part of the mission that God has given us. Mark 16, 15, go and preach the gospel to all creation. So people are supposed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why missions are so valuable to this church. This is why we send people, and this is why they go in places where we are not. Luke 24, 47, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached beginning at Jerusalem. Okay. Repentance and forgiveness. I underlined them because this needs to be a cornerstone of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a cornerstone. Amen? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is generally the Great Commission that we use because it's much more specific. It's just much easier to just refer to this. Therefore, go and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it doesn't say, go save everybody. It says, make disciples. As we preach, as we have an opportunity to share our testimonies and our lives of what God is doing in the different areas in our lives that we are in, We have the opportunity to share. And at times, people are like, I need to hear more of that. And then we share more. And through this, they start becoming interested. The Holy Spirit begins working in their hearts. We get to be a part of this transaction that's happening between the Holy Spirit and them. And we begin to help make them a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is something to celebrate. This is what we are called to do. And I, I've seen it happening here in our church where somebody who was, had no idea what church was like and I've seen the friendships develop and I've seen them dive deeper into the things of the Lord and I'm thinking, I wonder if they know they're discipling that person. I think they think they're just being a friend. But you're discipling. You're discipling. Acts 1.8. So as all of this is happening, we're fulfilling the mission that Christ has put before us as Christians, it says you will receive power. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. This means that we are not left alone, that, that as maybe you're nervous, you're thinking, oh man, I might have an opportunity here. What am I going to say? Oh my goodness, I'm going to mess this up. It says that the Holy Spirit is there and we will receive power to witness, power to witness. This is a mission, and this is the universal mission. This is it, universal, all churches. This is the great commission given from God. Now, where I believe we have some differences And this is a good thing. So this is the what. Where the difference is, well, first of all, why? Well, we know the the need is great. Uh, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is what Jesus said. And so we know that to get to the Father, people need to know who Jesus is. And God wants us to see through his eyes. And what do his eyes see people that are not following him. Well, this is what it, what it looks like. Matthew 9, 36. It says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So God is looking down and he's seeing people, even the ones that look like they have everything together, even the ones that look so happy and their families are just... Everything's perfect. You can just pinch everybody's cheeks, right? But he doesn't see them that way when they do not know him. To him, they look like a blind man trying to find his way in a new room. Lost, without direction, hopeless. This is the why. This is the need. But the the fun thing is, for us as a church, is the how. How? Because there's no direction with the how. And God knows, as he created us uniquely in the image of God, we get to uniquely have our friend groups, have our hobbies, have the things that we love, have the places where we work. And we get to find unique ways as a church to reach people. Now, a lot of times they look similar, we see what other people are doing, and it works. But as a church, the how we get there, we have total freedom in that. Culture, it shifts and changes. Just a little bit ago in the connection lounge, some of us guys were talking about different trends and hobbies. I'm sorry, trends in the sense of clothes and in fashion. Yes, guys can talk fashion, right? And we, we were talking about just how those things are coming back. But when you lived in that era, when they come back, you refuse to put them on. So like uh, we were at Macy's and I put a jean jacket on because I saw like really cool pastors. They have a preaching jacket. Where Josiah, where are you at? Can you please stand up? This is a preaching jacket right there. And I said to him, I said, I need a preaching jacket because this is how you're a really good pastor because you look like you're going somewhere. You've got, you've, you've got somewhere to go. you got your coat on, right? And, and so I sent this picture of this jean jacket. It was on uh, the clearance rack. And uh, I took a picture in the mirror like uh, any good 40-year-old would do in Macy's. And uh, she didn't even respond. And so I found her afterwards. I said, seriously, you wouldn't even respond? And she said, I didn't want to provoke you to buy it. We grew up in a time where there was so much denim that you just can't get past that. There's certain times you can't, you know, redo it. But you know what? In the how of what we're doing, as culture changes and as culture shifts as a church, we need to be mobile enough to be able to move, to be able to speak to people in different ways that hear differently. You know, a few years ago, everything was about millennials, Books, books and books and books about millennials. If you're writing a book about millennials now, you're way too late. The the new books are Generation Z, talking about the new generation coming to employment what kind of behaviors they have, how we need to work with them. That means as a church, not only are we reaching millennials, not only are we reaching baby boomers and Generation X, we have a new group of people that we have to be sensitive to and thinking about with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why partly we have a lot of different types of life groups happening here, and we need to, because different topics, different things, different age groups are able to speak to different things happening, and there's able to be fellowship and communion in these things happening. So Philippians, chapter two, I have two slides for this scripture, um, Sheila. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So the mindset I I highlighted there because this is also translated as have the mind of Christ. Okay? Have, Have the mind of Christ. Who is being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, He, Jesus, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. James 4.8 says, "'Come near to God, and he will come near to you.'" "'Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded.'" This morning, we are talking about having a mind or the mindset of Christ. So what seems to be the problem here? Well, what we're seeing in James is that we're naturally double-minded. We're, we're double- minded people. <clears throat> now, there are a few theologians and, and writers that I've read a lot of their stuff, multiple, multiple books. And what I found is they're comes to be a time when you know somebody really well through writing or listening, you begin to think like them. You begin to think to yourself, I think this is actually how they would respond to this issue. It's, it's a mindset. It's, uh, you're beginning to understand the way that they think. You know, if you, if you have a spouse or if you have a close family member or a friend that you're really close with and you have lived with them for a long time and in your interactions with them, you begin to know how they're going to act and respond because you have the mind
0: like them. Now,
1: think think of some of these words. So, um, a body double. Okay, what's a body double? Isaac and I. I mean, besides for me having a few higher pant sizes, I mean, you're my body double, right? What is it? You got two different people that maybe look similar. A double agent, somebody who plays both sides. They're, they're trying to get as much as they can from both sides. A double standard, somebody who lives contrary to what they're saying, They're living a a double life. And so when we see here in in James, double-minded, it's someone who is caught between two different worlds. They can't make a decision. There's two different concepts that are really pulling them apart. Could you put uh, my really theological picture up there? There we go. This was uh, Asher's favorite cartoon. He's watched this in our house more than any other movie um, that there is. And um, The Emperor's New Groove, yes, this is Emperor's New Groove. And so if you grew up with Tom and Jerry, how many Tom and Jerry fans do we got here? Yes, you got the angel on one side, you got the devil on the other. What am I gonna do? It, it's, this is a, a perfect picture of Cronk, right here, and the double-mindedness that, that many of us face. Now, we might not picture that angel, and we might not picture uh, the devil on that corner, and, you know, oh, stop it, you know. But it's actually a fairly good analogy at times, because th- there are times that we are truly facing two different worlds. And so what do we do with this? <clears throat> so as, as we begin to, to read the Scripture, uh, we may say, I have been resurrected with Jesus. I don't have to have have fear. I don't have to have anxiety or anything else. I am free. And And the New Testament church says, Amen. Right? We're excited that we don't have to carry all these things. But somewhere along this path, I think that we've forgotten that in order to be resurrected, we actually have to die. In order to be resurrected, with Jesus Christ, something has to be put to death. And is it possible that maybe some of the things that we're dealing with, some of the areas of temptation, some of the areas of our double-mindedness, are because we haven't been dead enough to be resurrected? Paul actually refers to this when speaking to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15:31. He says, I die daily.
0: I have to put it to death, my double-mindedness, every single day
1: in order to have the mind of Christ, in order for me to have a mindset, a God mindset. So I think pastors in general, and this is the reason really why um, we're, we're doing this um, series today, is I believe and hope that, you know, pastors in general want for their congregation for the Holy Spirit to be present. I think, I think all pastors have this desire, at least they should, right? Because when the Holy Spirit is present, there's life, And that means that there's change happening in us, that we're becoming more like him. Salvation to come, not only to people visiting and coming to this church, but in our home, salvation is here for restoration, for our relationships, for areas of bondage in our lives, things that have weighed us down and and tied us down for so long that God wants to bring restoration in these areas In our life and and to set us free. I believe pastors want people to have a hunger for for prayer, a hunger for devotion and and of reading the scripture. Pastors want their congregation to be engaging in in some area of fellowship in their life, whether it's through service, whether it's through life groups, whether it's um, in just relationships with other Christians that they're serving next to one another, that they're giving because they realize that God is the giver of all things. If you've been around the church for any period of time, if you've had maybe multiple pastors in your life, you've seen this a million times. You've seen pastors maybe come up with programs, uh, come up with ways to be able to uh, encourage people and sometimes maybe kind of wag the finger, have kind of the... You know, shave, if you don't, shame, not shave. Don't worry if you don't shave. (laughs) That trying to find ways to motivate people into immersing themselves in and not becoming too complacent, not becoming so double-minded that we lose track of why we're here and what we're doing and the mission And that there's a why because there's a dying world and there's a how and God is giving us creative ways to be able to reach people. And that means us. And so really, I'm not not doing anything new today. Today, I'm saying a dream for us is a church that's pursuing Jesus together. A dream for us is is realizing that, wow, I've been a little double-minded and I need to wake up every day Putting something to death in my life. Now, when I was a youth pastor, <clears throat> and I got to go to a Chi Alpha event yesterday downtown, and I saw like four past students, which made me feel really, really old. But it is such a blessing to see students that came out of your ministry serving the Lord. It was so amazing. And I got to see Dr. Brad Lewis yesterday hero of the faith, hero of just, oh my goodness, amazing people. And I thought to myself, I remember as a youth pastor looking at kids and saying, okay, even though there's one or two of you nonconformists in here, I need to talk to all of you so I don't embarrass one of you, but you need to put deodorant on, okay? If you took your shoes off, put them back on, okay? Nobody wants to smell that right now. Okay, when you go to your rooms, you should probably brush your teeth, okay? If you didn't brush, your, bring a toothbrush, I know your mom told you to, steal your friends. I don't care. Just do something. Do something about that. We, we, and we knew as youth pastors, I mean, Jaina and I, we knew that we were reinforcing what parents had been telling their kids to do every single day. And those kids, every single day, would fight it. And they would say no, and they would go to their rooms and try and go to sleep without brushing their teeth or doing something. I mean, we got to the point where are saying, okay, kids, my kids, not the youth, breathe in my face, prove to me that you brushed your teeth. And so they would come line up, like, okay, minty fresh, go. Okay, that is not get back there, do it. You know? So we, we had these ways of being able to, to teach these kids. And then one day, you're trying to get in the shower, and your kid won't come out of the shower. Are you kidding me? You've been in there for 30 minutes. What are you doing? Stop flexing in front of the mirror, right? Stop doing whatever it is you're doing. So now something's taken hold. Whether it was a girl at school that said, you stink, because that'll work. <laughs> Guys, right? That'll, <laughs> that'll work. Um, maybe uh, a cute boy came in the room, and all of a sudden you did the little, whoa, mom was right, I should put deodorant on. Or maybe you were just, maybe you were that kid, you were just always a people pleaser, and you realized that when you did that, you made the authority in your life happy, so you just kept doing it. You didn't care why, you just knew that it made people happy. But let me tell you, as a parent, they don't care. They don't care what, they don't care why you're doing it, they're just happy that you're doing it. It's a win. It's totally a win. In, in a similar way, we are taught as, as Christians, at, whether you started at a young age in church or a little bit later on, you hear the importance of read your Bibles, pray, go to church, and do good things for others, or lo- love people. These are all good things, right? All good and, and great things. It's like paying it forward in a Starbucks line. You know, if you, if you stop that and just receive a free drink and don't pay for the people behind you, you're going to have 10 years of famine. No. Yeah. I read it on Facebook once. <laughs> so Andy Stanley points out that Christians were probably told how important their Bible reading was, how important prayer was, how important church attendance was by someone who didn't read their Bible, who didn't pray, and who barely went to church. Like a a child or a a teenager being trained to to use basic hygiene, basic life skills, we struggle to to find a way or to remember to do it. We don't think of it as as important. We think that there are so many other things to do in our lives. I just can't sit down. I I can't take a few minutes to, to take care of my soul. Almost two years ago, I read a quote from Eugene Peterson that said, how can I lead people into the quiet place beside the still waters if I am in perpetual motion. This, this struck me first as a Christian, and then it struck me heavily as your pastor. How can I lead you to a place if I'm not willing to go there myself? I would find myself at the end of a, of a work week, and I would, I would think, man, this week was crazy. There were so many issues with this building. There were so many Things going on and fires to put out and, and so many things to attend to that Sunday's approaching and I'm thinking to myself, how much time have I spent in the presence of God? And then I started thinking, man, why was it so much easier when I was working in the secular world if I felt like I was praying all the time? And all of a sudden now I'm, I'm in this place as, as a pastor and I'm struggling to find this time. This, this doesn't seem right. How can I lead you? if I'm not walking and being in that same place myself,
0: being still is hard. Listening to hear
1: God's voice is not easy in the fast-paced culture that we live in and the amount of ease it is to open up your phone and to just watch something and to be engaged in something at all times. Reading the Bible, I found sort of taking a back seat to other reading material that I was doing about pastoring and theology and new trends and cultural things happening. These are all great things and I need to stay on top of those, I believe, but they should never be the main thing. And so here I found myself working through this. So I'm going to give you just a little glimpse of of an outline template that I've made for myself through the years. It's just kind of been developing and it's always moving a little bit. <clears throat> and I'm not going to bore you with some of the stuff, you know, the title, the subject. So before every sermon, I, I really try and <clears throat> ask myself these questions. And one of the questions is, uh, why would you care about this message? That, that's not up there yet. Why would, why, why, why would you care? Why would a, a normal person care? So I have to answer the question to myself of why do you care? Because if it's something that you would not even care about, then I'm going to really have a hard time preaching a message that matters. There has to be a reason. I have to, to think about this and, and have to have good transitional sentences and propositional statements to help guide this message. But at the very end of each template, I have this, and I need to give credit to Francis Chan because a lot of these are his. They were so good. I just really had to, to keep them because I want this in me before I, I come before you. Do I genuinely love the people that I'm communicating with? Have I applied this message to my own life? Am I accurately translating the text? Am I worried about what God thinks or what you think? Who will this draw attention to, me or to God? Do people really need this message? If so, why? Is there passion is there unction or urgency for this message? Why is this something, why does it matter that I should even share this with you? Who cares, right? Because I love you, the answer to the first question. Because I'm doing my best to apply this to my own life, answer to the second question. Doing the best I can to accurately translate the text because I am more worried about what God has directed me to than what you have. Because I really believe as a church and as individuals in 2019, I really believe we need this message. Is there urgency? Oh, yeah. There's urgency. The need is real. We know that we live in a, in a world that is, in, is hurting. We know that we live in a place that are in desperate need for Christ. And I I just, whether it's on social media or just through conversations that we have, I just, it's so fun seeing the different areas of influence and the different areas of interest that you are in. And God has placed you in these areas for a reason. God has given you your neighbors for a reason. God has, has put in your life people that you can speak to, and people that you can reach. The need is real. But we are double-minded through and through, and we need to die daily, and we need to be reminded of that. And I think that we're in a place that some of us probably haven't died enough to be resurrected in Christ, including myself. So I have a dream of us pursuing Jesus together in a way that that we truly understand what the Scripture says, that when we come near to God, He promises to come near to us.
0: Are you willing to come near to
1: God? Are you willing to go closer than you have before? Are you willing to recognize that you have been double-minded, you realize I'm, I'm not even giving a place for you not to be double minded. Are you willing to recognize that you're double minded and that every single day you need to remind yourself of that? A couple weeks ago, I made a <clears throat> joke about forgetting a child at church, and um, my previous boss called me and returned Eden to me. It was very embarrassing. I think it was my first month there. And uh, I, I gave you the scripture of Luke 2 and said it's okay because Mary forgot Jesus once, so it made me feel a lot better as a parent that I lost my son. Well, you know, the Lord has a sense of humor because that Sunday, I think that was two Sundays ago, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> both Jane and I are home. What are we having for lunch? I don't know. Do you have Asher? No. Are you kidding me? Where's Asher? No, you're lying because I lied to my wife. It's fun. And she thinks I had him and I hit him somewhere, the 6-foot 13-year-old. <laughs> no, I really don't have him. And I said, he's 13. He should know better. You know, shoes off, on the floor, playing a video game. And I said, he can walk home. It's seven miles. It's a winner. Let him walk home. Of course, Jana left right away. She feels terrible, and I'm laughing because here we are, you know, <laughs> the Lord with a sense of humor, having us two different vehicles, each thinking that the other one had the kid. And this is what happened with Jesus. So in Luke 2.52, it's really interesting. I, I just, I don't know why I find this interesting, but it is the last sentence we have from Luke 2.52 to chapter 3, and there's a 20-year span between it. Isn't that interesting? There's a 20-year span between this one verse. And we always read things as a continuous thing just because that's the way that we've written our books and the way that we think. But there's a 20-year gap here. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in
0: favor with God and with people. We could just sit on this for our lives. Print
1: it out, put it on your monitor to increase. This is really the vision of us individually, right? That as the Lord continues to work in us, we begin to change and grow in Christ and we increase in wisdom and in stature and we have favor with God and the people around us. What I find really interesting is in Luke uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry, and it's an Acts. Acts 2. It says, Every day they continued to meet. So this is the early church. They began to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And in verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. As God began to work in these people, blessings began to come. They began to have influence with the people around them. Not only man, but with God. As we begin to continue to put to death a worldly mindset, a fleshly, a natural mindset that we have, and as we put the mind of Christ, we have the mindset of who Christ is, there will be blessing that comes alongside of it in your life. There's going to be blessing as you continue to pursue Christ. And the Lord added to their number daily.
0: However God desires to expand in our midst
1: is totally up to him. But whether you're a visitor here this morning, part of this church, I want to ask you, are you willing to expand the tent stakes of your heart? Are you willing to, to let Christ expand your heart and your mind?
0: Are you willing to
1: realize that we are double-minded through and through, and we need to put to death the desires that we have and allow Christ to move forward in our lives? This is such an important thing for us to remember. This is such an important thing. As we just dream together as a church about the how and how God is going to use us in different ways in our city, how God is going to use you at your workplace or at home or the people that you interact with, do you have the mind of Christ so you can respond accordingly?
0: Would you please stand? Pastor Callie, if you could come and just play quietly. 11.15.
1: It's freezing outside, so you have nowhere to go. The saints, they're not playing for a couple hours. I want to just provide an opportunity, whether you want to stay in your seat, whether you want to kneel in your seat, you want to come to the altar and pray, but I think it is so important for us as a church corporately, corporately, and especially individually, to recognize we have things that we need to put to death in our lives. We have a, a mindset of serving ourselves. And like in Philippians 2 said, that he had the mind of Christ. And so he was stepped out of heaven, which was the humblest thing that anyone has ever done. There is a sense of humility for us to realize that there is a creator that loves us, that wants the best for us, and that there's a need that he has asked us to be a part of. So I'm just asking you this morning as Pastor Callie plays, take some time to pray. Take some time and ask the Lord what you need to do. What adjustments do you need to make in your life? What adjustments need to happen for you to have the mindset of Christ? I truly believe, I truly believe that some of you, you have just done the best that you can. And you know, you start and maybe it's a little bit harder and maybe some of that prayer time is kind of hard to get into or some of the reading or some of the things that you've started. It's just like the hygiene with the youth. You just keep doing it. You're just happy when they do it, right? The Lord knows. The Lord knows. So I'm just going to ask you, just take some time today. Come to the altar. If you need prayer, somebody's going to be here to pray with you, and I'll dismiss in just a little bit.
0: You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.